Welcome to the Prepare to Win podcast. Uh, we're trying not to joke around too much and, and laugh before the intros here. Uh, I am your host, Justin Oliver. I'm here with Dane Lee. We also have Lindsay Rossiter in today. Uh, we're going to start, let Lindsay kind of introduce herself uh, since it's her first time on the podcast. Go ahead, Lindsay. First timer. Well, I'm Lindsay. Um, I, I don't know. What do you want me to tell them about myself? Uh, just athletic background. Uh, athletically, now. I danced for 19 years from the time I was two, a little bit into college, and then um, I started lifting and I started focusing on powerlifting. About five years ago, I did my first meet, so that's what I've been doing since then. Um, as far as life goes, I have my bachelor's in exercise science slash kinesiology. Um, and then I also am a occupational therapy assistant. I just got my first job recently um, after graduating in December and getting licensed in March, working with tiny humans in the school setting. And I'm about a week into that and liking it so far. And yeah. That's me. Basically, if you don't know who Lindsay Rossiter is, then climb out of the rock. <laughs> so, I wouldn't say that, but um, basically today we're we're gonna start going over um, <laughs> some past experiences that we've all had uh, coming up through life. Um, you know, downfalls, wins, how to progress through life, how to block out some of the noise from uh, you know the outside world, haters and things like that, uh, you know, kind of in this new world that we're all living in, how to progress through that. Um, actually, I kind of I want to touch on that documentary we watched last night. That was nuts. If you haven't seen um, The Social... Don't you don't know, even know what it's called. Was it The Social Dilemma? Yes. Yeah, The Social wow, Dilemma on job. Netflix. Um, very, very interesting, basically how we're all puppets to social media and... Okay. You not just it. you know, not just Facebook and Instagram and all those. And um, it went through everything like YouTube. Um, I think they talked a little bit about Snapchat there, but like Twitter, Twitter, TikTok, TikTok, like all these things. Um, and basically, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but it, it's some things that you already kind of saw and knew what was going on. But yeah. it, it's it, super eye opening because it yeah. makes you think about things in a way that you probably yeah. wouldn't otherwise like one of the things they, they even mentioned in there is how how they will algorithm your feed to show you things that are more in line with your own thinking so you always assume that you're right <laughs> so so take like you know the elections going on right now or like yeah you know all the the split kind of drama that's going on in the world they will literally figure out your algorithm and push things into your feed for so if you know, you have Democratic views or whatever, mm-hmm. um, Republican views that they'll put people's posts and ads and you know whatever kind of videos they want you to see, they'll put it in your feed to progress your own thinking in your little bubble that you're always right. But then they said for controversy purposes, they'll sneak in something that you don't agree with because things you don't agree with, if you start arguing with them, if you start, you know, sharing the negative things or sharing false information, they, I think they said false information travels. It's like forty percent. Yeah, it, well, it travels six times faster. Uh, yeah. 
than true information. Like fake news. Fa- like fake news and stuff. So Traveling at the speed yeah. of false information. All right. Yeah, Spreads pretty... a lot faster. But it was basically all these like people that have worked for Facebook, Instagram, Google, mm-hmm. all that, um, like the engineers. I forget their official yeah, title. Some were engineers. Some of them were like the president or former president of Pinterest was on there. Um, you know, and a lot of these, mm-hmm. some of these guys are uh, software engineers, mm-hmm. uh, different designers within, you know, those realms that we can't even comprehend. Yeah. Um, who was that? The one guy invented the like button on Facebook. <laughs> He's known for that. So whenever you hit like, it's, it's from that guy. But, um, yeah, very, very interesting how it, um, you know, changes everyone's thinking, changes everyone's perspective uh, of current events. And then also, it's amazing to me of how they're optimizing everything to try, I don't want to sound like conspiracy, like, oh, they're trying to control you. But in a way, they, they need you to stay on that screen for as right. long as possible. So, you know, add dollars, things mm-hmm. like that, so they yeah. make money. Well, and the way they put it is every free service, whether it be social media or whatever, if it's free, then our attention and the consumer, like we are the product that they're selling. They're selling our attention yeah. to the advertisement agencies. Yeah. So we're not the user, we're the product that's yeah. being sold, which is kind of a crazy way to look at it, there but it's true. I've listened to where they've talked about the amount of work and science that goes into just the color scheme on it. And what they've done, I don't know if you ever do this, but on your phones, you can change it to black and white, just like to grayscale. Mm-hmm. And they've done studies that look like the amount of dopamine that is released when it's grayscale versus when it's in color for social media, and it's a drastic decrease. Oh, and what happens yeah. is like just by it's looking at colors and the level of engagement that they have mm-hmm. figured out, you have this dopaminergic effect. It it's like, scrolling. it just keeps scrolling. Yeah, you become addicted to scrolling down. Yeah. And what's the next little hit? going through and that's someone's job yeah. to figure mm-hmm. out yeah they talked you. about that yeah, too that's literally yeah. yeah that's yeah. what they do oh, that's insane that's pretty crazy um i guess that kind of ties into you know part of the things we're going to talk about today is you know remember everything you're seeing on on social media a lot of times you're seeing people's best of, yeah. of what they're trying to show you um and again it talks about in that documentary like a lot of things and a lot of content people post they're searching to have more likes they're searching to have more positive comments and mm-hmm. things like that and as human beings you know you you kind of crave that positive attention mm-hmm. and um you know again it's not it's it's real in the sense that like okay those people are are real but that's not the real world you know we see yeah. i've known people with massive followings that i couldn't tell you five or six people that have ever you know, for example, uh, trainers that have ever worked with them, but they have massive followings and label themselves as a fitness guru. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell you anyone that personally that I know that ever even talks about them or works with them. Yeah, um, you'll see people that say certain things online, and then you'll have a conversation with them or be around them in person and find out that's not even truly who they are. No, um, I've seen where oh yeah, I love to work with people, and you know I, I'm here for you know, to to help each individual see their goals and blah, blah, blah. And then you'll hear them say, like, in person, yeah, I don't like to do in-person training. I don't like to be around people. Like, wait, what? Yeah, (laughs) it's just complete opposite of what you said. Selling this false persona. Yeah. So um, it kind of, you know, brings me into one of the quotes I wanted to share today. It's by Mary Schmitch. Schmitch? 
S-C-H-M-I-C-H, Smitch? Sounds right. Sounds right. Um, <laughs> this was part of a longer um, speech that she gave. Uh, but this, the part of the quote is, sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind, the race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. Um, <clears throat> so what you can take from that is that, you know, throughout your life, whether it be life, uh, career, fitness, take it for exactly what it says. Sometimes you're going to be well ahead of people. Sometimes you're going to be way behind people. And you just have to keep on your own path. Um, <clears throat> you know, for example, you know, I, I can always use myself and we can use each other to kind of talk about this. Like when I was coming out of the military and going back to college and starting kind of my, I guess, career in fitness, I came out at was I 22 or 23 when I got out mm -hmm. so when I got out a lot of my friends are graduating college or graduating college uh, or if they went into the labor force or whatever been in a job for a while they're already starting to work their way up yeah you know and it's like here I am kind of starting back out going back to college um, wow these guys have careers already mm -hmm. and, you know some of them bought houses some of them are driving nice vehicles um, they have money in their pocket and here you know again starting back out going to school trying to train people not making a ton of money from it right you know just starting back out and to fast forward you know since that time I went through my time I waited my years and you know not to say I don't want to say I'm, I'm better than anyone by any means but monetarily I've passed some of them up yeah I found that point when we were kind of hey we're on the same path and then kind of accelerated past them mm -hmm. and there's still people that again everyone comes from different circumstances that are way above me and it's, it's not all about money but it is about the road of where you started and where you're ending mm -hmm. um, and it, it doesn't matter really what anyone else is doing some people have a lot of help through their life and early on they get accelerated um, from an early start you know, some, I know people have helped their parents basically bought their first home for them, you mm -hmm. know, threw down the down payment and all that stuff. Um, but, again, you have to see that so, some of this stuff isn't real, too. There's people that are driving $60,000 vehicles, and they make twenty grand a year. But they live with their parents. Their parents pay for everything else. <laughs> so they can afford to pay for that car. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm sure you guys have kind of your own stories, too, of, of coming up through, you know, whatever and seeing I know Lindsay just graduated and got her job. And mm -hmm. how long did you spend in school? Uh, well, total, like eight years. Eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Took a little longer than yeah. it should have. But and, I'm, no, go ahead. Yeah. I, was, I was just saying, you know, it's like one of those instances where she chose to get her bachelor's. And how long was your code of school? Two and a half years. Five semesters. Yeah. So the field that she's in, she technically kind of could have went straight into that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, straight out of high school, but she chose to go, you know. Well, her. it's it's kind of the same thing as like your story. So technically, you might feel like you're behind, but because I have my bachelor's degree, that might give me opportunities for advancement over people who just did the two-year program. Yeah. Or like you were saying, when you got out of the military. You're older than everyone going to college, so technically you might feel like you're, quote, unquote, behind, mm. but you might have 
developed different characteristics and mindsets in the military that are going to put you ahead later. Mm-hmm. So. And a perception of where you are is really big. And I know, like, we've talked about it before, but yeah. I, I wish I didn't do the first two years of college, but I did. I was a sophomore before I joined the military. Mm-hmm. And you come back with a very different mindset. You know, I was gone for a year for training. Yeah. And so, I mean... You were in the Navy for four years yeah, before four years. college. Yeah. So I just had one year, and I know the mindset was different. Mm-hmm. You know, Expand that another three years, and you're coming back with a very different level of maturity. And it doesn't have to be the military, but um, the experience that you have that you can carry into the new decision that you've made. So for you, Lindsay, when you do four years of undergrad... You're taking in, in in the form of education, mm-hmm. knowledge, you're taking in a lot of experience into the OTA program that most people wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but you're coming in four years older than other people with a lot of other life experience too. That is a huge advantage when it's looked at from the perspective of, oh, I'm behind people. Because mm-hmm. you might have been in class with 18-year-olds. And they're mm-hmm. like, I just got done. And what you know is in 18 to 24 months, they're going to have... A fairly well-paying job mm-hmm. you know for an associate's degree and you're like well shit you know I'm 22 23 years old I'm just now doing this I'm gonna be years ahead of them I could have been doing what I'm doing now you know five years ago or something but like you said the opportunity for you to be advanced the opportunity for you to figure out how to take the undergrad program or I'm pointing as if people know <laughs> I'm talking to the opportunity for Lindsay to be advanced because she had the undergraduate degree and the years of experience and the opportunity for Justin to like really take advantage of the undergrad program when he went in post-Navy mm-hmm. is like just a night and day difference compared to probably other people you were in school exactly. with. Some, some of the things, you know, I, I could speak for me and I kind of know hers as well. It's like, you know, I went into the military in that post-9-11 GI Bill. So I went to college for free mm-hmm. and I got paid to go to college. I got yeah. paid housing to go to college. So why I gave up, I call it giving up four years of my life because anything can happen during that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm basically, in a sense, owned by the government. Whatever yeah. they say goes. And sure, I'm getting paid to do it. But, you know, it, it, their whole thing back then was accelerate your life. And um, what they told me was, you're not going to accelerate your life while you're in it. It's afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I left college with no debt, got paid housing to go there. So that... What that did is a lot of guys were getting out, and again, you're in your 20s, and some of them have families and stuff, so this gave them a chance to um, be able to go to school without having to work absolute full-time, need a high-paying job. Mm-hmm. You could work part-time and still get by with that. Um, you know, and So that kind of helped me, in a sense, get a little bit ahead, because here I am with no college yet, and some people are just now paying off or still paying on the college mm-hmm. yet that are my age. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, same thing. Um, you know, I'll let her kind of talk about it, but she finished, you know, top of her class and went to Miami for almost free. Yeah, free. a scholarship. So, so that definitely helped a lot. Picked up, probably picked up a lot of, uh, like you said, college experience from, you know, going to a, a pretty good university and gaining that experience of being out on her own. Mm-hmm. She has to feed herself, you know what I mean? She has to go to class. She has to do what she can do there. Um, and... and you know, get the grades that she needs to to kind of keep advancing. So, um, so things that others could perceive as being a setback if you reframe that, those that extra time spent doing something else 
is able to fast forward or accelerate accelerate you later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I can't say that today. And we had a, I think there's a, a major with our company who would come by and talk to us sometimes. Well, it wasn't always talking. Sometimes it was just yelling at us. But uh, he had been in for over 20 years. Like he was a lifer. And he would explain to us all the things that he was able to take advantage of educationally because of having been in the military. He's like, soldiers, I have two masters. And like, I'm an ordained priest outside of this. Like, he had all of this life experience, you know, because of uh, his opportunity was what the military provided. And he was trying to get us to have that mindset. It's like, you need to understand the opportunities that you're being given. Mm-hmm. It's not not just the military, but in that case, like take advantage that, of right, it. That was the opportunity, and if the opportunity is you're coming in with four years of life experience more than the other students around you, if it's coming in with, you know, however many years of other education prior, like you that's go, a you huge go in with win. a different mindset too of like your ability, like we said before, your ability to get things done um, post military. And this doesn't have to be. And we're not saying you have to go into the military. It's just you have to adapt that mindset and adopt that mindset of. I can get whatever done. I can push through um, my comfortability zones. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the title of this podcast is going to be The New Normal, and this is something that, you know, because that's kind of the thing right now. Everything's the new normal. <laughs> but um, what, I, what I mean by that is, you know, you need to push through until you're uncomfortable. And once you get comfortable with that, you just, you lengthen up. Yeah. You, you go, go to next that step. next level. Yeah. And push yourself to a little bit more uncomfortable, and then that becomes your new normal, mm-hmm. and then it keeps going on from there, and that's how people in success like this guy that was in for twenty years was able to get his ma- you know two dual master degrees, um, and I'm I'm sure that's not his only achievements. No, you know what I mean. No, those yeah. are just the ones he happened to mention that yeah. time. So, you know what he probably did was when he went into the military, it was probably a shock. Like okay. This is the only thing I can focus on right now. I got to do my job, get my my stuff done, you know, be a good leader and all that. Once he got used to that, and comfortable with that, had people that he was kind of managing under him. Um, he, you know, and as you rank up in anything, you have you don't have to worry about the smaller things as much. You're looking more big picture. Right. So then I'm sure he went back like, okay, I have a little extra time on and a little less stress. I can go back to school. So when he probably went back or continued on to his master's, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever he did, that first master's, um, he was probably pressured then to be a little bit uncomfortable, Yeah, you know, and same thing when he achieved the second one. And, um, that That's kind of how you keep progressing is if you're not feeling a little bit uncomfortable, you're probably not doing enough in your life to succeed. You can push harder. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand that. So I think that can be applied on pretty much every level too whether it's going back to school getting a new job pushing yourself that way or even like on a smaller level of developing new daily habits it's the same thing you're building small things into your daily routine that are going to become normal and then you might add something else small that's going to get you towards your goal whether it be like a physical goal like i'm gonna walk an average of seven thousand steps a day this week and then next week i'm gonna walk 8,000 steps and you're adding an extra 10 minute walk into your day or you know if you're starting to track your food and Mm -hmm. um, like I know Lindsay's big with lists she writes down everything she has to do on a list so that was a step Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you know at first it probably looks like man I got all these overwhelming things to do Mm -hmm. and that just becomes habit and it becomes routine so she's comfortable with it so now you can push on Mm -hmm. Um, something new you know with your your education it's like when you started 
Well, that's You're, a weird winding road. <laughs> well, when you started, you know, as an LMT started your own uh, business and everything, that was like all you could focus on. And, mm-hmm. and same when I opened a gym. Oh my God, that's all I could focus on. You know, and it's like then you progress and, um, you know, you're, you're going to get your master. So, okay, that's extra pressure. I got classes now again. Like, mm-hmm. I got to get in that routine. Um, and then, you know, when you progress on to getting a PhD, it's going to be even more stress because that's, yeah. that's a lot of work outside of your, your norm job. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. But then you get it all done and you're going to have your PhD. It's going to be a huge deload of stress. Mm-hmm. All right. Now it's the next thing to push to, which right. I'm sure, you know, you got your five-year plan, 10-year <laughs> yeah. plan or whatever, so. Well, I've actually watched Dane progress, well, actually regress in stress levels as he takes on new things. Like I know when you first oh, had yeah. to balance your massage, you travel to see clients, you work with the Akron Swim Team, you were going to class, <laughs> you were stressed all the time, and then you got your schedule down and you got all those things balanced, and now it's just kind of your daily routine. Yeah. And I was able to actually watch your stress levels go down <laughs> as you acclimated yourself to it and figured everything out. But uh, Part of that was, you're talking about this idea of feeling behind people. I had my undergrad in ex-phys and then had a couple years where I was coaching. And then finally decided, all right, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to do massage. By the time I finished massage and started the business, I was, I think, 28. So by comparison, I felt like I was almost 10 years behind some people. But 28 is relatively very young to start your own business. Right. <laughs> but in my mind, like, I didn't look at the accomplishment of saying, mm-hmm. like, look, I started my own business. Because, you know, talking about things that stressed me out with the business, I was always happy if I just had lotion on hand. I was like, yay, I ordered supplies. <laughs> like, I've accomplished this. Kill me. But I wanted to try to catch up with what other people were doing. And it didn't help that I was working in an office with three other chiropractors who had been doing this, like the one guy had been doing it for 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it was just standard to him to like go through the motions that he was doing that he had built the success that he had. And I saw that, and instead of making a comparison of I'm brand new, he's been going two decades, you know, I'm not at his level, I wanted to be. And I thought, okay, if I just work hard enough, I can catch up. Because at my age, he'd already been doing this for four or five years. So I'm constantly telling myself, oh, i got to catch up four or five years. I've got to catch up ten years compared to other people. Um, and I allowed all those little things to come in. And so uh, when the opportunity to, came to work at Midnight City doing massage over there, I jumped at it. And then when the opportunity came for Akron, I jumped at it. And the opportunity came to work at... Um, these CrossFit events and 5Ks, like I jumped at it and I just filled my schedule with everything. And I was like, it was just a complete yes man. Like, yeah, I'll travel and yes, I'll go with Akron and yes, I'll do school and yes, I'll do these jobs and yes, I'll do Because you don't know coaching. what can come out of it. You don't. You try it. Yeah. And I just burnt myself out doing it yeah. until you realize that, well, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but one of them is just like you can't sustain that and it's not mm-hmm. sustain it from the amount of work. You can't sustain it because you are never going to catch up to that idea in your head. Yeah. That thing that you think that you're supposed to catch, like it's gone. Yeah. Like if I had started a business when I was 18, no matter how hard I work now, I won't catch up to that because it doesn't exist. But realizing that, like that was a huge stress relief. It was like, all right, you're never going to be what would have been. Like instead, 
what can you be? What can you be? Yeah. And if you're aiming a little higher and a little further than what you're probably capable of, Mm -hmm. not to say you won't be capable of it one day, but you're going to progress a lot quicker and a lot further than you thought possible if you have those high goals too. Um, The other thing, you know, touching on the age factor is look how many people have started companies in their late 30s, early 40s, or um, I'm not going to be able to remember the name, but I think there's a famous writer that started writing their first book in like their 40s or something. And it's a famous person. Again, I'm not like a book person, but, um, you know, it's just something I happen to see before where then by, you know, the time they're in their 60s, they're worth, you know, millions and millions of dollars have sold a a ridiculous amount of books. Um, But this person didn't really get their first Publishment until they were in their 40s. I think it was something that they they had kind of half pursued, but never fully went for until they got a little bit older. Um, and there's there's a lot of cases of that out there, of people that you know try something new or or you know maybe they had a career and jumped into something new in their late 30s, early 40s, hell even 50 years old, and then they they really make some of themselves later. So, you know, the age factor, a lot of the, a lot of people, we've all been there, 21, 22, 23, you think you should have it. Like, we're, you know, I, I feel like I should be more successful than I am. Yeah. At that age, you're not supposed to find out <laughs> what you want. You're not supposed to know what it is you need to do, really. You just need to keep trying to take steps forward, try new things, mm-hmm. find what you're going to like. Um, you know, for me, it's it, when I saw all these people making money, and at the time, one of the big things was uh, all the fracking was going on, the oil field and stuff. And I almost, I went to an actual interview. I almost stepped out of the fitness industry, or at least made it on the back burner in the oil field, a um, a career mm-hmm. or at least a job at the time, because I saw everyone making money. And the guys in my apartment complex were talking about like, yeah, we work, you know, nine months out of the year, and I'm making 130 grand a year, and I'm like. That sounds good. What do you yeah. do? What do you do? Where do you, you know, who do you work yeah. for and stuff? And, um, you know, I was kind of drawn in by that. Plus, being from the military, I can work labor and go at it. But then, you know, when I, sh- I showed up for the interview, I uh, actually called the guy that I was interviewing with to wake him up oh, to come to the interview. <laughs> and I still sat through it. I listened to everything he had to say. And the whole time, I just kept thinking, this is the person that will be my boss. And I felt like I was right back in the military, and I was like, fuck no. Um, I probably wouldn't have liked it anyway, and, you know, where the market went, might it's not a guarantee anyway. Um, so I'm glad I stuck with what I actually love. But, it, you know, you, you have to at least look at things and try things. But that was one of those cases where it was like, okay, let's close that door and walk yeah. through. Keep walking on the path I'm on, you know. Um, that's another thing I tell people all the time is um, I'm a big proponent of like when one door <laughs> closes another opens mm-hmm. and that's how I've navigated my life if I've went one way and tried something and it closes I'll go another way mm-hmm. seek something and, else out and, yeah, yeah. and I always try to find progression yeah um, and going back to being comfortable just from my own experience to come up through the business like I said when I opened the gym at first it's all okay gym 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 this is you know a huge hectic thing mm-hmm to, you know, fast forward to, to when we tried to expand again, well, we expanded into here, mm-hmm. and that was kind of hectic for a little bit, it was a little bit bigger, more members, more flow, you know. Yeah. Um, now it's normal. Yeah, now it's normal. Yeah. And when we tried to expand again, and that was chaos. And mm-hmm. I was trying to piece all these things together, bring everyone together, and I learned a lot, and ultimately, 
that door closed. That that failed. Thank thank COVID and the soft generation, you know, bad hires. But um, you know, when that door closed, now I'm back in my semi-normal. But now we're pushing further. We started the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm already looking ahead. I took on more clients. More. Um, um. Like distance clients, too. Yeah, more distance clients. Yeah. Uh, expanding more, across more the country. Yeah. So I'm expanding further in that aspect, so that brings a little bit more of my plate. Um, started to do a little bit more, you know, everyone's in the markets right now. Started to do a little bit more trading, learning more about that. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to learn more things about business, about the way the economy works, things like that also. Um, but the little things I used to have to worry about, you know, we have Austin, who's a great gym manager, and in he kind of looks over some of those little things and he's mm-hmm. learning and continuing to learn the ins and outs. And he helps me that I don't have to focus on those little things as much anymore. And I can look at the big picture to try to keep growing yeah. the company. Um, and, you know, me and you have talked about our, our future plans and in the next year, you know, hopefully everyone will start seeing, um, well, not start seeing, but they will see some changes that we're going to make, some new ventures we're going to go mm-hmm. after. Um, which that's you know hopefully coming up, and then we have our you know five year plan of possibly getting her uh, coffee shop open. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know. boats and Joes. Boats and you Joes. heard it here first. Yeah, boats and Joes. Everybody. On the lake. On the lake. But um, you know, so uh, again, that's always pushing towards being a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, as I get older my risk tolerance is going to have to tall you know kind of step back a little bit but um that's that's something i'm always looking for the next thing so if you're someone who's going home and you know you're working your nine to five job and just going home and doing nothing there's so much more you can be doing start something new start a new venture you know the excuse of you can't work out you can't do this you know, I, I don't want to tie fitness too much into this, even though we could, but I, I promise you, if these people would take the step into the gym and devote an hour, a couple times a week to that, mm-hmm. it would better their mindset to realize that they can push things further. And we have prime examples of that in here. People with four kids, mm-hmm. good jobs, you know, a lot of outside factors. Some of them, um, <clears throat> you know, they have companies of themselves, multiple kids, and they're talking about starting another company. Mm-hmm. You know, it's things... Um, can progress and you can achieve more than you ever could imagine if you would just take those steps forward. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. you know. Whether you want to look at it from like a strictly rational perspective, um, a scientific perspective, when you look at the amount of time that you have to spend to have an effect on like learning or fitness, they've put it down, it's like 10 minutes a day mm. you can have uh, an effect whether it's on your health the mental status whatever you want it's like meditate 10 minutes a day uh, go for a walk like 10 minutes or go for a run 10 minutes like do a quick workout 10 minutes um, mm-hmm. play an instrument 10 minutes like you can have a quantifiable effect on any outcome with the health learning etc in 10 minutes you know, you know, the, the like, meditation or walking thing I, and I, I just want to jump in here real quick is Sometimes I'm having a hectic day or I'm at my computer and I'm like, okay, I can't focus anymore. Just getting up and going for that 10 or 15 minute walk, I might throw a podcast in or mm-hmm. I might, we live on a pretty quiet street, so I might just, you know, open air it and listen to nothing around me, basically. Maybe <laughs> someone's mowing their lawn or something. But um, just that walk will clear my head and not think about the tasks I have to do. Mm-hmm. Just think about, you know, whatever else. Or That's why I like listening to podcasts because I'll listen about something else. But uh, when I come back, I'm ready to work again. Like yeah. that 10 minutes 
has an acute effect mm -hmm. on the rest of the day. Yeah. But then coming back to what you said, that once you start doing that consistently, you see that you can accomplish things in small doses, you can probably increase that. And like, okay, so what happens when I do 20 minutes? Or maybe it's not 20 minutes of walking or meditating. It's like, all right, I'll do my 10 minute meditation, but then I'll do 10 minutes of a workout too, because it's not hard to fit another 10 minutes in. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, talking about even like smaller things. So the business aspect, school aspect, like that's a pretty large stressor. And you know maybe people don't have those kinds of things that they're familiar with, but um, like one thing I've watched with Lindsay and that I can relate to from experience, like the first podcast I ever did with Matt Hess, I was a wreck. As much as I love talking, and we were going to be talking about recovery, I was so nervous. <laughs> I caught out for like two hours. I'm talking really <laughs> quiet, but I'm talking really fast the whole time. It's something you know, and it's something you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. it's like, you could talk for five oh, hours about yeah. recovery. <laughs> the entire environment. I was like, ah. Oh, hey, hey. yeah. And what made it worse is I was worried that I was going to be brain dead during it. I fight brain fog all the time. So I drank coffee ahead of time to make sure that my <laughs> brain was working. It was like shaking the whole time and I'm cold. <laughs> and it came through, obviously. And the only thing that really helped is at one point, like 30 minutes into the podcast, I just told him flat out, like, I am really fucking nervous right now. And he's like, well, don't be. No one's really listening to this. There are five listeners. Yeah. So but I was like, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's the new environment. Mm -hmm. It's a stressor. Just knowing that right. you're being recorded. and. But at this point... I was that way with the videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The videos at first, yeah. And Still am, kind of. People would look at that from the outside and say, there's nothing to be nervous about. You're right, there is. Logically, there's nothing to be nervous about. But it doesn't change the fact that you're overwhelmed with anxiety in that moment for no reason whatsoever, which also doesn't help because you, didn't, you have nothing to explain it. Have, have you been that way since you were a little though, like doing speeches in school or I know, like for I me, know. I was always, always real nervous for the first like 30 seconds yeah. minute of a speech and then I just kind of flowed with it, maybe blacked out a little bit. Yeah. But I, I always came across at least decent, you know. I, I always thrived on it yeah. because I knew that other people were scared of it. Mm. And I saw it as, I'm just as scared, but watch me not give into it. Mm. Which is probably why I translated over to the theater. Yeah. Like, I tell people all the time, like, I go on stage, and Lindsay could probably relate with dancing, where it's like, you step on stage, it doesn't matter how many times you've practiced it, or how many times yeah. you've performed before, or how many times you've done the podcast before. There is a part of you that is anxious to do what you're doing in front of people for, yeah. like, 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then it takes over. Yeah. And my thrill of it was always I'm going to be scared and do it anyway because people will watch that and go oh I can never do that and I, I want to be the example of like I'm just as scared as you are and yes you can and mm -hmm. yes I can and like mm -hmm. this is what it looks like to like just not give a shit about the fact that you're terrified yeah um, it's, it's public speaking too and like yeah. public performing is one of those things that's like most people's biggest fear I mean I was that was always like I was a quiet leader and like sports and things like I might say something here and there, but I wasn't the person that's going to get up and make a team speech to everyone yeah. and like lead by example. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah, you guys watch, follow me. Yeah, just watch me do this. Or I might talk to you in private, but like being even when I do seminars now, it's like the first like couple minutes I'm like, all right, I'm trying to feel out the crowd, see how that you know. But then once I get going, it's just it flows and I'm more yeah. comfortable. But I, I think you know it, it's either for me it's just in me. I don't know if I'll ever get rid of it. So. I don't know that I ever want to get rid of it because like that is so much fuel in the moment like that all that adrenaline rush is yeah. amazing especially because you know <laughs> you like can get over it yeah. yeah like you know you can get over it 
you know, if the idea was in your head that I'm going to feel terrified, I'm going to have this adrenaline, and it will never go away, no matter how long I'm up there talking, or no matter what I'm doing in a performance, etc. Well, yeah, I would never want to do that because that would be awful the entire time, no mm-hmm. matter how much I would enjoy doing whatever it was I was doing. But if you know that if you can just survive 30 seconds, it's going to be exhilarating, yeah, that's a high. Absolutely, yeah. mm-hmm. I'll go do that. But, I mean, I know... So, Lindsay and I have talked about before, like, um, when you got the sponsorship from Virtual Apparel, you said, oh, I have to go do a podcast. <laughs> and you're really nervous about doing that. I was like, so you're going to be fine. Because it's having the conversation that we've all had before. It's like the same thing when, you know, she comes to get worked on for massage, like, have that conversation. Have the same conversations you've had with Justin. Like, talk about lifting. It's no different. Yeah. But and it was that way for the first yeah. 10 minutes. I was super nervous. I was shaking. And then just a conversation. And yeah. But you know, was, like someone like she's very intellectual, and like sometimes when we're talking at home, she'll say some things. And I like it's a point. I wish I almost had a mic, yeah. like right behind <laughs> her. Like, like keep you know, going. You know, you know, don't mind me. Going, you, know, <laughs> you know, but um, I, I, I think it's just one of those things for for a lot of people. And again, she, doing that single, well, I shouldn't say single performance because it's probably groups as well. When she was dancing growing up, and she's given a million speeches in school, and she's done, you know, now she's done like official job interviews and mm-hmm. things like that <laughs> um which which is kind of weird because i was never nervous about a job interview ever in my oh. life but for oh. some reason like if i just dis- even if i interviews. i guess that, like even if i know what i'm talking about those first couple minutes of stand in front of groups is, mm-hmm. you know but um anyway yeah like she she could have backed off from that and you know i know she just put out a bench video as well and she could have backed off from that and never done any videos, never, mm-hmm. you know, been on any podcast, never, you know, done it. But she pushed into mm-hmm. uncomfortability to try to make it comfortable. So I think that is a fun side or a unique side of the topic to discuss because that is compared to like the business side. Someone would look at that and be like, well, that's such a small thing to be scared of. But that mm-hmm. doesn't change how anxious you get about that. Yeah. And, you know, by comparison, and that's not to diminish it in any way. It's just it shows how significant something can be from when the outside you're looking at it thinking, well, that's not that big of a door to try to you know, open and walk through. It's but like, for some yeah, people it is. It's huge. It's fucking huge. Because um, you can tangibly recognize opening a business and say, all right, we have this many members that we have to take care of. You're going to have you know, these types of issues that come up with members that you have to deal with. If we sat down and talked about what are the top five things that you have to constantly deal with when it comes to either clients for personal training or members at the gym, we could probably have an hour-long conversation about all the things that people do or don't do that need to do. But when you talk about saying, I'm going to put my ideas out there Mm -hmm. in a video. For some people, that's not scary. For some, No, like I Mm -hmm. love doing that because I don't have to talk to anyone when I do it. I just have to be (laughs) like, hey, here are my nerd thoughts. But, like, for you, like, that was a really big hurdle mm-hmm. for Lindsay. That was a really big hurdle. Yeah, unless and you know me, you don't know you don't recognize how big of a deal and no, how, like, uncomfortable that is like, for me. That was good. Like, that was really good content. That was She seemed to do an easy job with it. But on the other side of the camera, you realize, like, that was a new level of uncomfort. Like, I watched discomfort. it and I hated it, but I posted it anyway. <laughs> to move into it. And so. it'll come to a point where that's probably second nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's nice about that is that as coaches, what we can recognize 
that's not uncommon. You probably have a lot of coaches that are uncomfortable doing things like that. Mm-hmm. But when you do get past it, that's a, there's a lot of value. And there's a lot of there. growth that can come from it. And I think little things like that go to show how much it can translate. Like if you can adopt and develop a growth mindset for smaller things, whether it's adding 10 minutes a day to read something educational mm-hmm. or adding 10 minutes a day to go on a walk or adding a 45 minutes into your day to work out, if you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and you're making yourself uncomfortable, it's going to translate into the bigger thing. So maybe knowing that you can do that and you made those small changes that have added up to a big change. Okay. Like I can go back to school or I can, Mm -hmm. um, make progress in my business or open a business or do something that before you made those small changes, you would have never dreamed of doing, but Mm -hmm. that's going to build your confidence, build those good habits. The busier you become too, the more fu- the the more time you find you actually have. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you actually start trying to become busier, that there will be some days where you'll look and say, "Okay, I really don't have anything that needs to be done right exactly now." Or maybe your list is done. What can I do? What can I do with the extra hour, two hours that I have today? Um, and you know, there are some days where you're going to have that. And then you start realizing, man, I have all this time to do. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe Whatever. before and you would have laid on the couch or taken yeah. a nap or yeah. watched Netflix, but now that you've grown a lot mentally, like that doesn't sound stimulating at all to you. So you're no. going to pursue different. It gets it gets harder to. I you know I know everyone needs their, their downtime, their rest time, their mm-hmm. chill time, but it becomes harder to um, to have that and have unproductive time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. You know, if you do sit down and watch something, if you want to hop on and, you know, play a video game or something, like if you want to surf the internet for whatever, you know, it's, it's like one of those things that like you start realizing and seeing where you're wasting time. Yeah. And it becomes harder to when you do want to waste a little bit of time and, and sit around that it, it becomes harder to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, make your time to relax, but also you'll start seeing with clearer eyes, like when you actually have time to get things done. So, um, the next thing, like we wanted to touch on a topic of, you know, as you're going through these goals and as you're progressing in life, um, you know, we'll touch quick on this about, you know, don't worry about what anyone else thinks of your goals. I think a lot of people start to tune into that too much and worry about what other people are going to think about what they're doing. Um, you know, and, and as you progress and as you get better, you're going to have people that don't like it. You're going to have people that are quote-unquote haters yeah um and the, i promise you the, the more successful you get the more haters you're gonna have mm-hmm. you're gonna have people that don't like you for no other reason than you're successful um you know i can speak of it that i've had people do a 180 on me for no apparent reason at all um and i, I couldn't even tell you why you know in a lot of it has come from owning a gym because the way some of these people have acted, they were never like that whenever I was just a trainer Mm -hmm. running around to different gyms. Um, or, you know, even when I started coaching a little bit more and had a job inside of a, a, a gym or whatever, um, there becomes a lot of hate as you start to be more successful and people, the jealousy is a real thing. Mm -hmm. You will have people that are jealous of you. You will have people that, don't like what you have to say and in the end they don't matter they're Mm -hmm. um you know like the the podcast we were listening to uh with um trevor and riley um 
They're, successory show. Yeah, successory show. Go <laughs> listen. <laughs> but like something they talked about is, and this kind of resonates, is, you know, those people aren't your audience anyway. Those right. people aren't so, going to buy anything from you. Those yeah, people aren't going to support they're not, you. They're not going to support you regardless. So who cares what they have mm-hmm. to say? Who cares what they think? Really and, like especially in today's world, um, in the social media-driven generation that's coming up, that feel, and people, people in general feel they need to be opinionated about everything, people are going to talk about what you're posting. People are going to talk about what you're putting out there. People probably talk about this podcast. Do any of us really care? No. If you don't like it, there's a good thing you could do. Just go away. Turn it off. Unfollow. You know? Don't listen. Yeah, don't listen. Cause that's the beauty of it. If I don't like what someone's content is, I just I don't listen to it. Right. I scroll past it. I move on. You know, I don't sit there and waste my time commenting something negative or commenting my opinion. But some or, people do. Yeah, yeah, those are losers. And um, those people are willing to spend their time yeah. doing so. So it's, it's like, actually kind of a compliment. When you're when you're replying to someone's um, story post that you don't like, when you're replying to someone's um, post that you don't like with some kind of negative fashion or some kind of opposite opinion, no one's sitting there saying that you're not entitled to your own opinion. Just no one cares that you have to say that mm-hmm. to them. You know what I mean? Like, Cause you're wasting a- your time because people like me and people like her and people like you, we're not going to waste our time arguing back with you for mm-hmm. no for something that's it's an it's not a big topic in the sense like we're not arguing politics. We're not arguing. That's not our job. Right? Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So when when someone comes at you like that, just Okay, thanks, bye. Or don't answer them at all. Mm-hmm. Don't respond to them. They don't matter. That time could be spent doing more valuable exactly. things. Right. So and you'll see people get in these arguments like 30 comments long. Why? How do you have time to do that in the day? <laughs> Why do you even want that stress in your day? So coming back to something else. Out that when you find that you're busy, you have all kinds of time. Yeah. How are you spending your time? Putting 30 comments up. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a difference between having that conversation even if it's opposing conversation about mm-hmm. something and you want to like share ideologies yeah. but like, that's intellectually a and maturely mm-hmm. talking yes. about it that's different like, you can talk about how you don't that agree needs to be done if you want to do that have it in a private setting so yeah like go ahead but uh so an example of this um i actually i think i'm pretty fortunate because my job is fairly unique in this gym that uh, the coaches and you know, athletes, they understand like bits and pieces of self-care, but from the recovery aspect, I don't really have people who are doing things that I disagree with. We don't have like another physical therapist who's in here or like a chiropractor in here who's like telling something opposite or contrary to like what I'm putting out. And I make it a point, like you said, to not follow other people, but there aren't a lot of people having, and this isn't me boasting in any way, but they're not having the type of conversations that I like talking about when it comes to like accumulative fatigue mm-hmm. and looking at how to use circadian rhythms within training cycles and stuff like that. Recovery nerd things. It's, yeah, recovery nerd things. <laughs> and so one of the things that I came out of... That, that's the, not the sexy side of it. They they, wanna, no, no. It's, they want to talk about whatever recovery tool right. or you know, something like that to kind of promote their own business. So those conversations are going, and I came out of the shutdown during those two or three months realizing I'm just going to talk about what I enjoy talking about. Mm. And I don't have, there's no market for that. I just want to talk about it. So I don't worry too much about, you know, pandering either against or to, you know, what people want to hear. But 
I just lost my train of thought. I was oh, good example was uh, about a year ago. You guys went to a powerlifting meet, and there was someone using a Theragun there. And you said, "Will you please explain, you know, why it is that the way that they're using it, when they're using it, is being done incorrectly?" And so I made a rather passionate video, in my opinion, about why they're doing it wrong. And the reason that I get heated about that, not that particular device, but I when, get so heated about when people who don't have all the knowledge use things, especially in a competition setting, you're putting people at risk. Mm-hmm. Not just decreased performance, but actual risk for injury. And even though you're doing it with the best of intentions, you're doing it with lack of information. And that best of, you know, the road to hell is lead with good intentions. So I explained why I felt that way. And I get a couple of messages. And at first, I was almost excited because I was like, I have my first haters. <laughs> I'd never gotten messages before. Saying that what I'm saying is wrong. And the only reason wrong. you got that was because it was someone that happened to be there saw the post and it was like one of their friends or right. something. Fun yeah. fact, after talking with you about it, you're like, that wasn't who I was talking about anyway. Yeah. So there were multiple people there apparently doing this and the person who messaged me wasn't the one I, that we were referring yeah. to, but they still took it upon themselves to message. And they're like, you're putting out your opinion on things without having all the facts. My response, it was a very lengthy message or messages that I got from them and my response was thank you for letting me know exactly it's just like moved on there's it. no reason to engage with this on the opposite side of that someone else who I think was a friend of the lifter that this woman was referring to also reached out and said would you mind explaining why not to do that mm-hmm. and I sent back multiple messages talking about why not to do it in a way that was not nearly as heated mm-hmm. as the video I put out and their response was, you know, I really appreciate you reaching out and giving the info. Exactly. That was it. Mature conversation. Yeah. And that. there's a big difference between a genuine discussion of ideas, whether those are conflicting or not. Maybe someone on either side can learn from that, and that's fine. But if it's a debate and you're just going to argue and no one's going to change their opinion, then agree to disagree and move on. Uh, yeah, as you guys can see, once again, we can, can keep going on. I, I could stay on these topics for about two hours. Um, but we're going to get to Q&A. We're going to answer two of these questions. Um, one of them that came through was, uh, what are some common mistakes new lifters do in their first few meets um, and the impact and the outcome of that? Um, you know, let's just kind of touch on basically the, the first meet. Uh, a lot of people, you know, this is kind of, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because everyone says it, but um, cutting or restricting weight too often their, their first meet um, or first couple meets rather than just lifting, gaining strength, especially if you don't come from a background of having uh, a big athletic background or a lot of muscle base, you want to continue to build muscle rather than continuing to try to cut um, or stay in a weight class just because you want to be more competitive you might be able to go up two weight classes and be even more competitive. You never know until you actually do it. And I, I found that out for myself. Um, when I went up weight classes, I got stronger. I became a little bit more competitive. And if I want to drop back a weight class in the future, I still have the option to do that mm-hmm. um, as after I get stronger. Um, one of the biggest things uh, that I see too is people, and this one's hard, is they don't find proper coaching from the beginning. So then when you do go to a good coach, 
and you've spent two years um, either not being coached or with a coach that didn't know much, now you have to spend the next you know six months, let's call it, fixing and working on things and starting to uh, fix your technique and work adaptations uh, neurologically to move better when if you had that from the beginning you would be further along yeah and it is hard to pick a good coach because a lot of people the first thing they'll do is go and i have many lifters now that started with um let's call them insta coaches um and some of these people are good lifters themselves big followings and all that they didn't get a lot of feedback or they um their programming they didn't progress really at all and the coach for lack of better words didn't really pay attention to that yeah. Um, not to say that they should have, you know, you're not on, we always say this, we're not on call. We can't devote, you know, hours and hours and hours of attention to just you because there is other people. But you should at least be getting some sort of feedback to your lifts, and especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to spend more time on those people so they start to get it down right so I don't have to say so much later. Because yeah. some people now, it is a couple, you know, quick cues and they understand what I'm talking about. And that comes from that explanation earlier. So, you know, do your research. Um, don't just go for a coach because they're strong themselves or because they um, have a big social media following. A lot of times what they're doing is they might work with a lot of people. They're showing mm-hmm. you about their best two or three. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's it. And don't be afraid to ask that coach questions about what their coaching looks like, what communication looks like. Don't be afraid to reach out to their clients and ask about their experience and their relationship with that coach. I mean, going into that, that's the same as going into any other relationship professionally where if you were going to start getting services from mm-hmm. another business, what would you do? Read you'd want to look at, yeah, you'd yep. look at reviews. You'd want to talk to people like, hey, have you ever gotten to this place? Have you ever had anything from okay. them? How was the yeah. service? It's How something did they do? you're paying for. Right. Yeah. And, and there's always going to be like, you know, there are some athletes that they don't do their part. So you can't really blame the coach. You might not right. be progressive because you're not doing your mm-hmm. part. But... Um, you know, especially if they've switched coaches and you watch their training and their results go uh, get better, maybe and you're looking for a coach, maybe ask them, hey, since you switched this new coach, what's different? Yep. Or, you know, is it is the coaching that much better than your past coach or, or whatever? Um, there's a lot of coaches out there and some of the best coaches in the world that aren't in the top, you know, 20, 30, 40 of their weight class. Uh, you know, they're not, they're strong, but they're not exceptionally outlier mm-hmm. strong. Right. Um, and there's people with, you know, like take the guys, for example, there's guys with over 2,000 pound totals, 21, 2,200 pound totals that don't understand why they're so strong. Um, Which means that their ability to coach is yeah. going to be minimized. Well, that's something that Trevor and Tony went more into depth on on Coach's Corner this week. The strongest yeah. people aren't always the best coaches, and the best coaches aren't always the strongest people. And I, I think they mentioned that's how it is. about the progression, too. Is, you know, if someone went from a 900-pound total to a 1,500-pound total, but someone else went from an 1,800 to 2,000-pound total, that person that was already strong coming in and got 200 pounds stronger, they they might not necessarily understand, one, why they got there. They're just strong to begin mm-hmm. with. And their progression, in a nutshell, um, wasn't as great as someone who put on 600 pounds, 700 pounds to their total, even mm-hmm. though it is that you know, new lifter thing. Um, a lot of good coaches that I know... Um, they, they probably started 1,300, 1,200-pound totals, 1,400-pound totals. Now they total, you know, 18, 1,900, 2,000, whatever in that range. Some are only in the 1,600s, 1,700s, you know, but they're producing good athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't just go with a coach just because of their social media following, their um, 
whole aura of, of whatever companies they're connected to. I'll see that sometimes too, where people go with coaches and I don't want to blast any, but like there's some coaches out there that aren't very good coaches, but they might happen to be part of an apparel company or part of a, um, you know, lifting gear company or something like that or they might have connections to you know these this fed or this whatever yeah. they might be a judge a meat director whatever you know what i mean but they they're connected to these other things and people uh, you know in life always want to be part of groups so they want to be part of that quote-unquote group that yeah. um, of people training so um as far as first meet goes uh, another piece of advice don't go balls out your first way meet. off topic <laughs> <laughs> sorry um don't go balls out on your first meet um, I like lifters to go in, you know, the idea is to try to go nine for nine if you can and, and challenge yourself, but you don't need to um, go for unobtainable uh, lifts and things like that. Take the days of learning process, learn how a meet runs, um, just get through the day and then progress afterwards. There's going to be more meets, mm-hmm. but you don't want to go in, you know, fail your second attempt squat and that, you know, starts to leave a bad day, you know, you fail your third attempt go out, fail a second attempt bench, and then before you know it, you went four for nine your first meet, you didn't hit anything, you have a sour taste in your mouth. Yep. Um, it's not always about hitting PRs in that first meet as much as just getting through the day mm-hmm. and challenging Get yourself, experience. but getting the experience. Have fun. Yeah. Um, let's see. What was the other question here that I wanted to answer? Uh, what are three pieces of advice that you would give your younger self? Um, and I got some some. Uh, clarification on that this is about I was going to say that's its own podcast right? yeah yeah that's right yeah <laughs> can so we I do that one yeah, in the future we're going to try to be pretty simple on these um, I got some clarification it was more along the lines of like training for yourself and then you know from a business aspect um, I would say from the training point uh, we'll touch on that is you know if I go back I probably would have tried to find a, a knowledgeable coach from the start yeah. to help me with uh, technique even though I knew a little I could always know more and, and now I know I could have known a lot more um, probably not push things as hard as I did it's from an RPE standpoint backed off a little more often um, you know it wasn't until almost well, four and a half years in I got my first coach so I I got tips and things from people but I never had like an official here's your programming coach mm-hmm. um, so I think from that aspect if I would have had one in the beginning I might have avoided injury I might have been a little bit better off I might have had a little bit better technique to start with um, not to say it was terrible but you know your own ego kicks in you push too hard yeah but you guys all you agree there with that? Yeah, yeah I agree much. I mean just yeah not pushing is hard so often not ego lifting doing less meets every year there was one year when i first started i did five meets and a bikini show in one year oh lord i didn't make any lifting progress that year i think i had pretty much the same total all five meets i think part of that was wanting to you know we that was the year that we had a lot of influx of lifters and i think i did more meets than i probably should have as well and, oh, that was the year I got injured. I mean, it was a, it was a fun, um, well, not for you. It was I a think fun it was just one of those things like, oh, man, we all want to compete together. And we were rolling into some of these meets, eight, nine, ten lifters at meets and yeah. stuff. So it was like one of those things I think it was just like, oh, I want to go compete with my friends. and But your, your ego kicks in. You still yeah. want to lift heavy and all that And stuff. you don't realize how much you gain from an off season, especially once you yeah. get stronger. Sometimes you need a year in between meets yeah. to make progress. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, from from kind of a business standpoint, I guess for myself is um, there's honestly like I'm not someone who focuses on regrets too much because I think you know a lot of things again one door closes another opens. Um, I, we've touched on this already, so I won't get too deep into it. But just being more prepared for um, some of the the hate that comes from owning a gym, the hate that comes from having learning to brush it off and react, brush it off and not take it so personally. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I've gotten a lot better at yeah. because not let know, it consume your time or yeah. ruin your day just, or put I'm you in a bad like, mood. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah have, have a good day. So. Definitely made progress in that, yeah. <laughs> that aspect. And when you're an up and when you're an up and coming, especially in this area, it's a very simple minded area. Um, with a lot of, sa- a lot of gyms, a lot of saturation. So when you're coming up and you're starting to produce athletes and you're starting to be known as like that gym really can progress people and things it it leaves a bad taste in others' mouths. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that comes with the industry. It's a very cutthroat industry. I'd say um, patience. That's mine. Yeah, That's patience. Oh, my God, I wish I could get back because... That's something I've, I'm working you can on do, Like, you can do, in the same way with training, like, you can do tangible things where if you were to work with a coach, they can give you some tip on technique. And, like, in an hour's training session, your technique can look better but it takes a lot of time for that to really dial in and have the strength effects that you want, like months or even years mm-hmm. before it flourishes. And it's the same thing where, you know, I can buy all the equipment that I want in here and we painted the walls and we brought stuff in and you made it look nice. That doesn't make people show up. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you good at running Producing a business. Results. That doesn't, exactly, the producer results on working with people. You can do something very quickly but the part that is meaningful, that really lasts, that makes the business what it is, takes weeks, months, yeah. years mm-hmm. to grow and keep growing. The other thing with you know with dealing with that growth and dealing with the things that come with it, you're always, whether you see it or not, and I've, I've noticed this, especially in the past couple of years, you're probably always going to have more support than you do. It's just that one person that might say something that you know kind of pisses you off mm-hmm. you, you dwell on that but then F- the focus 20 on the people support. that come yeah. in and tell you how great you're doing you and i found especially through this covid stuff there's people that support us and support us around the country that i never even knew paid attention to what we're doing mm-hmm. at all and they've been you know they've came into my dms and we've had conversations people that live on the west coast that i never even had a conversation with really but they supported kind of what we're doing support yeah -hmm. respect what we're doing respect everything so i think one last thing that goes along those lines with both business and training that dane mentioned earlier was um not comparing yourself to others whether it be in business or in lifting i know that's something that i've struggled with a lot in the past and in both aspects everyone has their own journey you don't know Mm -hmm. what obstacles they had you don't know what help they've had um so i think just back to the quote in the beginning your race is only with yourself your journey is your own and it's not going to look like anyone else's so whether you need to work on yourself to be able to not compare yourself to others or spend less time on social media Mm -hmm. i think that's a big thing that helps a lot with personal and business growth especially remember with with businesses life and fitness and everything you're you're looking at everything's everyone's best and sometimes it's not Mm -hmm. everyone's truth you don't know what's behind the scenes you've seen businesses that promote like doing so well do have greatest coaching all this stuff and then you constantly hear how bad the coaching is there how you know and then you might hear later like oh man that that place is on the verge of going out of business because they don't have anybody yeah. there you know so remember like i always like to be as transparent as possible i think that's always the best method 
Um, but a lot of people out there don't follow that method. They're just going to keep showing just the best. So you make it. The best, so best. Focus on yourself and making yourself and your business or your training the best that you can be. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the topic uh, of the whole episode. Is just you know, go on your own path, um, find the help you need, and remember, you know, you're separate from everyone else, and you, you don't worry about if you're going to be ahead of them, behind them. So uh, that's pretty much it for today. Uh, we will get this one out here in, in a few days. So uh, I think what we still expect in Wednesday releases. Yep. So um, I'll post another Q&A later in the week, and you'll see it on Dane and hopefully Lindsay's page as well. So throw us your questions, um, and then next podcast we'll try to answer a couple more. Hopefully we'll talk a little less. <laughs> but hopefully everyone's learning something. Um, like it, share it. We are on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Um, go ahead and leave us a five-star review, and make sure you let your friends know if you enjoy the podcast. All right, thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.